We have a special, special treat for you today. We've got three moms who we all know and trust, who deep in the faith, and they're going to talk to us. Specifically, we've been talking about prayer, about what does it look like to be a mom and intersecting with this whole thing of prayer. So I'm not going to take any of their time to get them started. So take us away. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Jonathan, for that good story. Do you, do you other moms out there, can you feel it? Like, is that, is that real? I mean, sometimes I think I'm just at a disadvantage because Lee, like, built zip lines from trees to our chimney in one house. And, you know, he just does these crazy things that I could never compete with. But moms, we love you. We appreciate you. We, we our hearts, we're just three moms up here. Just three moms that have journeyed with Jesus and realize that's the only way to do this mom gig. It's too difficult. There's too many variables for us to try to do it on our own. And dads, you too. You know, this this message is the simple gospel. We need Jesus. He wants to be near us. He wants to walk with us through every scenario. I think it's an interesting thing as a mom or a dad that we lose complete objectivity when we have these little people in our life, right? We need him so desperately. There's no way we can do this on our own. We thought um, in our discussions uh, when we were just kind of preparing for this that it was important to acknowledge that this isn't just a happy day for some people. This is a truly difficult day for some. Some of you are moms in waiting. Some of you are moms, and um, there are difficult things going on with your kids. Some of you have um, are fostering. Some of you have adopted. Some of you are not with your kids today. There's just a variety of reasons. But we just want to offer hope from three moms to you. Hope today. So our desire is this would be encouraging as we look to Jesus for the hope in any and every situation, right? So here we go. <laughs> like Gail said, we are continuing looking at the lifestyle of Jesus, specifically talking about prayer. And I thought, um, I, I, when I was listening to the sermon last week, driving back here from Alabama, bouncing around in Lee's big truck. And Roger, Roger said one line that just stuck with me. He said, prayer is really making space for God in our lives. And that seems like such a simple statement, doesn't it? But I immediately had a visual of me in a room and frantically pushing stuff around, just like, you know, sweating and like it didn't make sense. The spatial organization was not there. And I felt like the Lord whispered to my heart, Cindy, will you let me help you? And that is what we want to say to you today. As moms, speaking to moms and really anybody in this room, will we, will, can we point you to Jesus today and let him help you wherever you're at, whatever scenarios are going on in your life, because that's really our only hope. All right, so let's jump right into this. We are going to start off with the verse John 15:5. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So ladies, how did we, how have you remained in him? What have you learned in your journey? <laughs> yeah, that um, verse, apart from me, you can do nothing. That is so hopeful because it's not a condemnation thing like, oh, you can do nothing. But it's apart from Jesus, we can just try and try and try. But if we just let Jesus be the center of everything that we're trying to do, all of a sudden it changes everything. And thinking about praying and thinking about being a mom, I wanted to start with sharing a little bit of my story. So my journey to motherhood was not typical. (laughs) It was really, really long. Um, 17 years of dealing with infertility and dealing with praying and asking the Lord to let me be a mom. You know, it just seems like the most natural thing. You plan your family, you decide when you're going to get pregnant. It just seemed like it was easy for everyone except for Vic and I. And uh, I went on this journey of thinking that if I would just pray everything right, I would say the right things and I would have the right amount of faith and I would do it just right, that God would answer my prayer exactly how I wanted him to. And then that didn't happen. (laughs) And um, seven years into that journey, our daughter Elizabeth was born. Miraculous, best story of my life. Her birth mother literally showed up on our doorstep in our home We adopted Elizabeth, and I decided that my prayers didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't know what I was doing. God was sovereign. He was going to do his own thing, no matter what I did. And so I went way over here where I didn't pray. I'm like, prayers are useless. I I don't have it. It's not up to me. God's going to do it all by himself. And um, 10 years later, I got pregnant with Victoria, and we had this another miraculous daughter in our family. And that 17-year journey was really long, but it was also really beautiful because somewhere along the way, I ended up out of really both of those those extremes are kind of prideful and kind of rebellious. <laughs> I can do it all or forget it, God. It's up to you, and you know, but I came to this place of realizing that apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus invited me in. He told me, ask. He told me, Holy Spirit is with you. He told me, let's do it together. He invited me into this beautiful journey where eventually, when I let go of the extremes, I was able to pray with faith. And trusting, completely trusting the Lord that he had good plans for me, that he was good. So starting with this verse is a great place to start because apart from him, why even, why even do it? You know? Well, I guess I'm staying. (laughs) I think, um, for me, growing up in church made this really difficult. I was really good at like the rote things of religion. You know, we went to church three times a week. Anybody else do that? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? You know, that was just kind of part of, I thought, what would keep me close to Jesus. 
I think um, getting married and having a family just completely blew that out of the water. And I realized it didn't matter how many times I went to church. It, that was not the point. This was an active living relationship that I needed to engage in. So getting there was, I feel like I, I was the, um, the last person on the bus. You know what I mean? And I struggled so much, but it wasn't until I started seeing these little, these little people look to me and um, my, my tone, my face, my actions being rooted in fear and worry that I thought, what I'm doing is not working. Jesus, please. That, and that, that convinced me that I need to remain in him, but it was still such a long journey for me. So I'm still on it. So my is celebrating, which um, about 15 years ago, the Lord dropped in my heart the word celebrate, which was really kind of challenging for me because I was holding my breath, I realized, and I was pushing through celebrating events and holidays, and I thought I was doing quite a good job (laughs) celebrating. But I realized I was not celebrating everyday life because my family of six children is chronically and critically ill, and including the critical illness that I sometimes struggle with. It's challenging. And I thought that I was doing this great job, (laughs) and I realized the Lord was saying, in a life that you live with the gospel, it's supposed to look different, right? The gospel leads us to a fruit-bearing life that you walk in wholeness no matter what your circumstances look like. So when I turn to Philippians 4, and you read Paul where he says that he learned to be content when he was in need or in plenty, I looked again so carefully at those, um, I guess, bilingual kind of words where he uses hardship and gratefulness in the same paragraph. And I really, it shifted my thinking just completely, understanding that I can live in hardship And I can live in gratefulness. And those things are so intertwined, this side of heaven, that my life daily should be celebrating the one who holds me, not holding my breath, waiting until I have something to celebrate, right? Not until there's a bow on it and everybody's well and then I celebrate. But I can celebrate daily what life looks like so that my children know what celebrating looks like, so my neighbors can see me celebrating, so I'm celebrating life while we are waiting, right? So that life looks different, so that the gospel brings us to a wholehearted way of living. It looks opposite of what our culture is doing. And that overflow of hope is powered by the Holy Spirit, right? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So our hope is powered by the Holy Spirit. I looked up the word remain 
I mean, <laughs> it's an easy word. We probably all know what it means. But the to abide, to stay, to wait, to tarry, to rest, endure, it implies permanence. And I feel like it's easy in our day and age to step close to Jesus and step away. To step into a service, be blessed, receive, and then walk out the doors and go into the frantic, the worry, the crazy, the stress of it all. So we're convinced we need to remain, right? Are you convinced or should we talk about it a little bit more? Because if we're convinced, we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> There we go. Nope. There we go. Uh, yeah. So if we're remaining in him, if we are stayed in him, it's like the verse from Romans that Aaron was just talking about, that we live in this overflow. And there's another verse that talks about storing up treasure in our heart. It's good things. It's treasure. And then out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, our mouth can speak. And so the idea of apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We get settled in that. That's, that's the foundation. And then we start living out of that overflow. And so what are some of the ways that you guys are just living in that? Ooh, I want to live in it more. That, that, that is, that is, that is a verse that brought, has brought me to my knees multiple times for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because I am a basically fearful person, my, I just, it's in me and I have to give it to Jesus every day. If I am not living out of the overflow of Jesus, of remaining in him, my words are fearful. This, is, this has become so evident the older my kids have gotten as well. But um, it, I, I desire it so much, and I am still on that journey. And I feel like I'll be on it for the rest of my life. But I so desire, because we speak, we speak life and hope to people when we're, when we're living out of the overflow. And that's what we want to be as moms and dads. Well, I think, um, I think I was shocked, which sounds crazy, but... <laughs> I was shocked that um, you have to train yourself to be godly. Does that sound crazy? But, I mean, 1 Timothy 4 tells us that. It's pretty plain, right? But it takes practice. So I thought if I read Scripture, then the knowledge of Scripture would make you godly somehow. I don't know. Um, it doesn't work like that, in case you didn't know. But uh, repentance is just like a continual thing. The gospel is a daily experience. It takes practice. It takes practice and practice to celebrate life. It takes practice to walk out the gospel. It takes practice to love your neighbor. You know, you're loving your neighbor are your children. You know, you're, it's easier to love your neighbor when it's a theoretical thing, right? You know, um, but when it's um, your actual neighbors that are, you know, impeding on your, you know, they are, their trees hang over your fence or, you know, whatever it is that your issue is, practicing living out the gospel are, um, is, takes practice. It takes doing. It takes actual experience. 
having friends in your life that are seeking the gospel, that are say, that say into my life, you know, Aaron, hmm, your attitude, and I'm like, you mean my sin? You need, mean I need to repent today? <laughs> I had a friend yesterday who, who was talking to me, and she said, um, I said, yeah, I need to repent. What is it I need to repent of? And she said, well, I can tell you, um, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm going to just like, just come right out because I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I need to get rid of it. And so she just told me, and so I could get rid of it. We need friends like that, right? And this is part of what we treasure. Yeah. We hold the good thing. We don't have good things in our heart. So what we gather, the good things that we gather in our hearts, need to come from other people and from Scripture. So this, is, this is kind of goes back to that picture for me, making room for God in my life. And how do I do that? You know, we're, we're all so busy. There's so many things. What do, you, what do you set aside? What do you push? You know what I mean? Like, you got to feed your kids. you you, you got to go to work. All these things. The Lord needs to help you. I, I remember it was a season where we had uh, not just our kids, but several other kids living with us. And Lee was traveling at the time. And I, just, I was just like on the brink of, of losing it. And I found my car. Oh, my car is my saving grace. I go to my car every day and I drive away from everybody and everything. And I turn my phone off. And I pray, and I cry, and I talk to Jesus. I wrestle with him. Like, okay, remind me who I am. Why am I doing this? And then he pulls me close to him. And like I said, everything for me is a journey. I was the last one on the bus, even though I was raised in church and heard it all a thousand times. But this has become more and more and more real in this season where on staff and in church, we, we have been talking about pausing and praying and letting the Lord, this living relationship, guide and influence our lives. So where's your car? Where do you make space for the Lord in your life, practically speaking? Because if you're not doing that and you're trying to do this life or this mom thing, this dad thing, whatever, on your own, it's not going to work. It's too hard. There are too many things going on in our world. You desperately need Jesus, mainly to shift your perspective. Because everything you're hearing in this world is negative and and. Not reminding who you, not reminding you of who you are and your hope and your future. So where is your car? Who or what is your car? Are you spending time in your car? That, that would be the practical thing for me. Mine's the shower. <laughs> you know, just somewhere quiet, somewhere where no one else is for just a moment. But, um, and it's, and it's having those scriptures that you can go back to. You know, he that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That, you know, Jesus is the one that holds the universe together. Like going to the scriptures and knowing that foundationally truth is that he is good. He has good plans. He has provided everything we need for life and godliness what Jesus did in the cross accomplished it forever. 
and always it's done. That he's inviting us into this beautiful gospel, having those kind of things that are a firm foundation that you can remind yourself that when you go to Jesus, that's where you're going. Wherever it is, if it's the car or the shower or, you know, the two minutes that you're squeezing in. And maybe it's not in a parenting journey that you're on. Maybe it's in a journey of, of like finding that next opportunity, whether it's a job or a ministry or maybe it's finding that next relationship. You know, maybe you're in a, in a season of loneliness. Whatever it is, we still start with that foundation of apart from me, you can do nothing and and what are you storing up? What is the treasure that when we go to prayer, how are we approaching our good, good Father who loves us and has good plans for us? And knows our kids better than we do, mm-hmm. right? What would you say to parents or moms that they're just, they just feel like they're doing it bad right now? <laughs> you know, and there's just, there's no hope. Or... Yeah, I think um, there's no bad way to do it. There, um, I just say we all need to cheer each other on. Absolutely. We need to be the best cheerleaders for each other. There, um, we all feel like failures, and I think that's the enemy that comes against us, especially as, as parents. And um, if you're seeking Jesus Christ, and you're leading your family towards him, you're doing a great job. And you just need to keep walking, keep going. Here's what the truth is. We know we live in a fallen world, and Satan is out like a roaring lion to destroy your family. But God is here, almighty, all-powerful, and he can protect you. And so if we're seeking him, um, just keep following. Just keep following Jesus. And, um, I, think, I think we just have to keep asking him for protection and guidance, and he's going to lead us out. I love this next verse, and this is our last one. You guys are going to get out of church early today. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read it because the light's blocking. Okay, let's just read this one. Living out the gospel in front of our kids. Oh, this is going to be so fun. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Oh, I just love that. That's so, that sounds so hopeful and so fun, right? And in light of what Aaron said, there's no wrong way to do this. I love that God created us all so differently. And in the context of who we are, we walk and talk with our children. We walk and talk this out daily. We live this out before them. And it doesn't all have to look the same. Man, if I had to do the things Lee did, we'd be in trouble. Or if he, you know, if I, if he had to do it the way I did, we'd be in trouble. But God knew exactly what your children needed. Yeah. 
I think our faith in God is meant to be um, in living relationship that involves all of life, which is basically what this is saying. So um, we walk in the kingdom of God, which is opposite of the culture. It's completely opposite of the culture. And that's why we need to impress it on our children. I think of that as cookie dough. I know which that sounds kind of odd. But when you roll out cookie dough and you're impressing the cookie dough with an impression so that when it's baked, it's still there, we, we want to impress the image of God on our children. We want to impress all the things. Love the Lord your God. So when they're fully baked and out of our home, they have the impression, love the Lord your God with all your heart for the rest of their lives, right? <laughs> just, is it just We want to have them know that. I, I always think um, when, when our kids, we start when they're really tiny, there are many gods in this world, but we love the one true God. And you just have start when they're babies, you know, start when they're toddlers. Talking about the one true God, is that the one true God? Do you recognize him and do you love him? And you just start when they're little. That's not the one true God. Even my grandkids will say, that's not the one true God. Nope, that's not the one true God. We recognize him, right? We have to learn to recognize him so that we can love the one true God. And um, that's one of the first lessons because to love the Lord your God, you have to recognize him first. I love the, just the visual of walking and talking. I, that, just, that just helps me so much. That means there's no activity. And I'm, I think I'm kind of focusing on older kids. Okay, so go with me if you have older kids in your life. Walking and talking, there's no activity that you're not, you're not discipling them, that you're not in either inviting them into or doing with them and showing them Jesus. Um, in, in just working with youth, one of the biggest hindrances to children knowing and loving Jesus is seeing hypocrisy in their parents. If you have a real life-changing relationship with Jesus, you're, gonna, you're the same everywhere you go. So be that for your kids. Don't cause confusion and frustration by being a person that changes as the wind or, you know, as the shadows. You need, your kids need this. They, they're dealing with enough out there. They need to know that this Jesus that you proclaim to them is real in your life so it can be real to them. You know, as it's, 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 it's hard for any of us to become what we haven't seen, right? Or it's a lot easier for us to become what we've seen. So live the life that you want for your kids. You want to live an abundant life. You, wanna you want them to have a happy marriage. Work on your marriage. You want to, your kids to enjoy their family, do activities with their kids. Do activities. You want your kids to do ministry? Do ministry. Invite them in. Do it all with Jesus. Everything, your life is a living illustration of Jesus before them. And that, not only is that the best for them, it's the best life. It's the best life. 
you might be poor. I don't know. We were at times. And sometimes I was so tempted. I grew up in Orange County, and all my friends seemed like they had more than me. And sometimes I wanted that. But I would not trade anything. I would not trade the cars that were given to us and the crazy places we've lived, the missions trips we've been on. Because we did it with Jesus, and we were able to invite our kids in. Yeah, and I think walking that out, just the daily part of living it, is that you're not living this, like, perfect life. And Guile talks about it all the time about, like, having family devotions that are just, like, you got, got the three points and everyone's attentively listening and everyone's beaming. That's not, like, real life. And But real life is confronted with difficulties every single time we go to Jesus. That was modeled for me by my parents and so many different people that the Lord brought into my life who will call me and say, hey, I don't think I can take what's happening right now. We need, will you pray with me? And then you just stop in that moment and you pray. And doing that with your kids, you know, they're struggling. They're, you know, they have a test or their friend hurt them or like the millions of different things that happen during the day that you stop and you live real life with Jesus in that moment. Hey, let's pray. Okay, Jesus will help us. We can't do it by ourselves. We, apart from him, we can do nothing. Jesus will help us. That you just have those reminders in the morning when you're getting up and you're getting ready. In the night when you're talking about all the hard times, when someone's crying or when someone's jumping up and down and excited, that Jesus is just a natural part of that. It's not a separate thing. I think that's something that so many people struggle with, that my faith and my prayer time and my devotion is this thing over here, and then my life is this thing over here. But if we can, if we can meld those two together, we are a follower of Jesus who's living a life that happens every day. Sometimes the mundane and the boring is where you meet Jesus. It's not the wonderful devotions and, and the great, fantastic moments, but it's just the everyday, daily life of Jesus is here. What's Jesus saying to you today? The person next to you or the child in front of you. What's the Holy Spirit doing? What are you excited about? What has Jesus revealed when we're on this walk around the neighborhood? Where do you see God? All just the normal, everyday part of life. That's the fun of living it out. Yeah. I think the, the other thing I would say, too, in this is the, how the culture is so different than we as believers is, like, for example, that we're supposed to be dependent on God. And our culture teaches us to be independent. So we never teach our children as believers to be independent. We shift them from dependence on us to dependence on Jesus. So what that looks like, as toddlers, we say, wow, look at that. You learned how to button your coat. Jesus helped you. Jesus is helping you tie your shoes. That's amazing. Look at you. Jesus is helping you be courageous. Look at how God is helping you be so brave today. You never shift into you are now independent. 
And so when they are making decisions for college or who to marry or all of these things, they automatically go to God, right? It's not you, th you teach them independence and then suddenly you're asking them to ask God about something. No, you've shifted them straight from dependence on you to dependence on God because that's what we do as believers in Jesus Christ is we teach them from the very beginning to be dependent on him. That's so helpful. You said that you said that last week when we were talking and that just that helped me so much even in thinking about adult children. You know, I I I think sometimes with our adult children as parents our identity is kind of really wrapped up in them. Right? Like, well, how are your kids doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and we lose perspective when that becomes our identity. We want to create, like, we want them to be okay, but we want to make them okay because that's attached to who we are. I'm a really good mom, right? Like, I might be the best, right? You know, because my kids are doing really well. But that's not true. It's dependence on Jesus. Sometimes I get so frustrated because I have three kids that live in three different states. I love them equally, and I'll never live by all of them at one point. And then Jesus comes and speaks to my heart and says, Cindy, they're dependent on me. They're doing well. It's okay. So maybe you're a mom out there, and you're saying, are, are my kids okay? Do I need to make this better? No, point up to Jesus. Live your life before them so they see how utterly dependent you are on him. The line from the song, um, we're going to close with this, so worship people if you're here or if you hear the sound of this microphone. <laughs> uh, Stephanie Gressinger in her song, Nobody Cared for Me with Jesus, but Jesus says, um, May your children tell their children, and may it be their memory that all oh, my treasure was in heaven, and you were everything to me. That's my desire, and I pray that would be your desire for your children, that they would know all your treasure is in heaven, and he is everything to you. So I'm just going to give it to Sam and then Giles going to come up and close it. Thank you for letting us share our hearts. I hope it was encouraging. Yes, yes, you are singing the blessing. Yeah. I, I was just, I was just quoting another song because I like it. Lord, turn his face toward 
upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord said his face toward you and give you peace. If you didn't notice, <clears throat> while we were talking about encouraging moms, what we're really talking about is being disciples. Being disciples who make disciples. And so I thought it was really cute how uh, Cindy kept on trying to include dads too. Cindy never wants anyone excluded, but it's okay to talk to moms. It's That's okay. It's okay. Because, you know, God teaches us that we learn from the example of others. So we have as much to, I have as much to learn as a dad or as somebody who has no kids or a teenager from watching someone else follow Jesus um, as I do if it applies to exactly my exact life situation. When we're in worship, 
And scripture came to me uh, to encourage our moms. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of different momming that Cindy was talking about. There's spiritual momming as well. Um, and we want to honor that. But Paul had this mission to do hard stuff, to go make disciples all over the world, uh, all over, you know, the Mediterranean Sea area. And he's telling this to this church in Corinth that he and his guys were having a really hard time. Guys, being a mom can be one of the most excruciating experiences um, on your heart of wanting to see these kids turn out like moderately sane and citizens and above all following Jesus. And Paul said this. He said, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Second Corinthians 1. But he said, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And here's the thing I want to finish with. But then Paul says to the church in Corinth, and you are helping us by praying for us. So I'd like all the non-moms to stand right now. We're going to let the moms sit. This is how we're going to close. So if, if you find that you're not a mother, please stand. Because we're going to surround those near us and we're just going to take a moment to pray. Knowing, guys, not just today, but praying for our moms is so critical. Maybe, maybe you, you're an adult child and you're, you're kind of, you got something going on with your mom. That's not your favorite. This is the time to pray. To pray is a hard job. This is the way we can invest. And so, why don't you pray? I'm going to pray out loud over the microphone, but why don't you also pray? For those right next to you. Father. Father, Father. First Corinthians 11 says, None of us would be here. It's obvious, but Paul says it out loud. We couldn't be here without these, these moms. And the moms play this role that so reminds me of you. Jesus, the servant who's giving away life. Over and over again. And you, Holy Spirit, who are at work and often not noticed or appreciated. Father, will you right now encourage our moms? Encourage, encourage, encourage. This gospel-centered stuff we've heard today that even if this thing's so hard, it's actually a gift that it's so hard so we don't rely on ourselves. But instead, we rely on Jesus. And so, may today be one of these things where we don't have... The only thing that we know will truly refresh us, will truly honor us, is the smile of Jesus. And the, the, the promise, I am with you. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm not leaving. Those children are in my hands. Their outcome is my responsibility. You just get to play with me a little bit. 
for this short time. So Lord, pray there'd be a lift today. I pray a miracle would happen where children everywhere would say thank you to their mothers. In Jesus' name, amen.